All right, welcome back to another episode of Tomorrow's Entrepreneurs, everyone. Today, I've got a very special guest with me, uh, successful CEO and entrepreneur, Justin Bellobaba. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Cole. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before, but I'd just like to say again, uh, it was actually my computer science teacher who told me to reach out to you. And I looked a little bit into you and I really liked your stuff. So here we are now. All right. Uh, just before we start the podcast, I think it'd be a good idea if you did a little introduction of yourself, um, what you've done over your years. Sure. Um, so I am uh, born and raised in, uh, in Toronto. Uh, after high school, I went, uh, I went to Harvard for a uh, degree in economics. Um, I, 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 did, I did a year at Oxford as well. And it was actually kind of through that experience. Like, I, I, I think, you know, I remember the exact moment when I realized that I wanted to be a, like a, you know, a, a tech entrepreneur. Um, second year university, I always, I always kind of thought that I was going to do like the Wall Street thing. Um, like most of my friends did. Uh, but second year university, it was kind of like dot com, the original dot com boom, right? Like, you know, I mean, 20 years ago. Um, and I was playing pool at like two in the morning with my friend. And we were talking about some of these startups. And he was like, well, why don't we do one? And it, it had never crossed my mind. I'm not someone who grew up like with all kinds of entrepreneurial, you know, dreams or whatever. It just, it had never crossed my mind. But as soon as it did, it was like lightning. And we started our first business the next day. Um, we did, we did, we, so, you know, looking back now, you know, or fast forwarding 20 years, uh, I'm on my fourth, my fourth business. Um, the first one was a, uh, we were actually the first people to do uh, wireless payment and taxis. That was like before it was a thing, right? Um, and we did that in college and we licensed that software. And then I had a, a medical software company I took public, uh, when I was uh, at the, the ripe age of 26, that was, uh, that was pretty fun. Um, sold that one, um, started a chain of uh, like virtual, like health and wellness clinics and grew that to about a hundred uh, locations. Um, and, I, and then I sold that in 2017. And then I started uh, what I'm working on now, which is NowSite, which is a, uh, like a, a sales and marketing platform for the true little guy like in business, right? Like the, the one, two person um, business, think like real estate agents or insurance brokers or, you know, online marketers. Um, it's, a, it's an incredibly neglected group of, you know, 300 million people. Uh, and so we have built a complete, you know, end-to-end -end sales and marketing platform that is like exactly for their needs. And that's, that's what we're working on now. We've been uh, top, I think top 10 fastest growing company in Canada the last two years in a row. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So that, anyway, that's, that's me in a nutshell. I'm, I, I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm married to, uh, an amazing, uh, girl named Jill. I've got three little boys, um, big Raptors fan and I love, uh, CrossFit. So that, that's pretty much everything that there is to know. Great. First of all, congratulations on, uh, all the companies you've came up with and uh, sold. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the one you're working on now, because I actually looked sure. into that one. It was very cool. I was very intrigued Thanks. by it. Uh, I like the idea of uh, the product, you know, helping out the little guy, like you said, why don't we talk about that one a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's called NowSite. Uh, and 
the, I mean, I guess, you know, one important thing for anyone who is an aspiring uh, entrepreneur out there, and I, and, you know, the, the thing that people hear all the time is exactly that story, you know, I just told you, right? And it sounds like, you know, I've gone from success to success to success to success. And that is that is how we choose to tell our story. You know, I think of it as sort of like the the Instagram version of the story, you know, like you kind yeah. of show the best parts, but not the real stuff. The 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 truth is, and I think that if any any entrepreneur who you know who's had success is being honest about it, success is the is the outlier, right? Failure is the norm. Like yes. I fail constantly. All, all I do all day long is, is fail in different ways. Like I can think of 10 things that I screwed up today and learn from, right. And then improved. But like, you know, this, this business is a microcosm of that. Like this business started as, oh my God, it started as just the worst idea in the world. Okay. Like it started as I thought, oh, you know, I've had some success with these kind of vir like virtual kind of clinics. I'm going to do like an Uber physio Cairo massage on demand thing. And it was a huge flop. Like it was terrible. Everybody hated it. I wasted a bunch of money and it was, it was, it sucked. Then we pivoted to like a loyalty and rewards program and a cashback thing for health and wellness and beauty. Everybody hated that too. Then um, I pivoted to this Bluetooth beacon thing. Um, you know, I found kind of like this, like, I don't know, this Google platform that no one was using. And I, you know, created this like, um, like kind of like pocket advertising thing. You put a Bluetooth beacon on your keychain, you walk around with it and it would kind of trigger notifications on, on phones and people liked it. Right. It was kind of gimmicky. Right. But, you know, within two years, Google shut down the platform. Right. So there I was like, you know, two years and I'd pivoted like six times and I'd burned a bunch of my, like my own savings. Um, and I was potentially nowhere, right? And, and so, you know, and I'll tell you, like, I'll tell you kind of a bit more about where we got to today, but where we are today is a bunch of good timing and luck and, you know, perseverance, but it's definitely not, it's definitely not where I thought we would be when I started this business on day one, right? This is like 1000 pivots later. Right, failure. It's sort of. It's like um. I don't know. Like a like if you were blind and you're trying to find an exit, right? Like in a room you weren't familiar with, and it's a process of like bumping into this and you know feeling your way over here and just you you directionally hope hopefully going in the right you know towards the door. You don't know, but if you make enough mistakes, you'll probably find your way there. Yeah. Right. So any anyway that like any success I've I've had is the result of. 1000 failures. Okay. Um, but that being said, I think that, you know, today we are onto something, you know, quite, quite exciting. Um, you know, as I said there, you know, that you've got like two, 300 million, um, you know, independent business owners, right? Like, you know, these days, everything is like freelance gig economy, you know, like commission, like all of like, the, and there's, there's Fiverr and there's Upwork and there's lots of platforms for freelancers, but Commission sales, independent sales, whether that's real estate, insurance, beauty, health, fitness, doesn't matter. Um, there really isn't a platform for these independent, you know, sales oriented, like, you know, business owners. And 
And so that's what we set out to build. I didn't know that when I started the business, but that's definitely what we're clear about now. And so their needs are unique, right? Like they, they're not a, they don't have big budgets. They don't have technical expertise. They don't like they, they are, when it comes to sales and marketing, when it comes to technology, they are very unsophisticated. They might be amazing real estate agents. They might sell the crap out of your house, right? But that doesn't mean that they know how to create a website, email campaigns, SMS campaigns. So how to have a, you know, a solid social media presence, how to find new prospects, how to know what to say to kind of build relationships. So what we've, what we've learned to do and what we've had to do to kind of appeal to our customer is take kind of what everybody else is doing, which is like, I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to give you a website builder right? Like Wix, or I'm going to give you an email builder like MailChimp, or I'm going to give you a place to put your contact information like uh, like salesforce.com, right? And we've had to kind of like enhance it with, with additional capabilities to, to help our customers use the product effectively, right? So just like, for example, not like in our, in our CRM, we not, not only do you put your own contacts into our system, but we've actually built a database of 2 billion prospects that you can search. So it is, as far as I know, it is the only, you know, customer relationship management tool where we can actually populate it with new prospects every single day, right? Um, we have, for our website builder or email, we have a button, um, we, you know, where you can just like click the button in the product and you can just talk to one of our online marketing experts live on Zoom. And we will just Impressive. build the website for you because probably you, Mr. Realtor, you have no idea what you're doing, right? You've never done it before, right? And you think that like blue writing looks good on a red background. And you know, like you have no, you have no sense of like of design or how to write copy or how to lay something out to make it compelling. So that's that's kind of where we found a place is by keeping things simple, keeping things affordable, having all the tools in one place, but then enhancing them with an element of like, we're also going to do a bunch of this for you, right? And, and that value proposition has really, you know, found fertile ground with this huge group of customers. So now, now we're, you know, just focusing on, on scale, right? And, and getting to hopefully millions of people. I, I really like that idea. Like I said, I did look into it a little bit. It's very cool. Thanks. Where have you found success with this? Has there been a lot of customers so far? Um, and also another question, who exactly, like what kind of small businesses are you targeting? Is it all small businesses? Is it more towards like, sure. maybe the smaller, smaller businesses or the bigger, smaller businesses? Yeah. So, you know, small businesses, um, it's, it's most of the economy, right? Yes. Uh, but there's a huge range right? Like a small business is technically anything from, you know, one to a hundred employees, right? A okay. hundred employees is that they have nothing in common with the one person business. Like they are totally different things, right? Where, where others have focused is on, I, I think of it like an iceberg, right? Like everyone seems, everyone's focused on the larger small businesses, 10 employees and up. Yes. Right. That's that's where that's where everyone's been looking. And the reason why that's the case, I think it's really it's been historically difficult to sell to the little guy. They're hard to reach. They don't have big budgets. 
right? So if you're going to advertise, I'm going to advertise to the person who can pay me $1,000 a month. Not, you know, that's who I'm going to go out. That's who I'm going to build my product for, right? The 50 person company or the 100 person company. I'm not going to focus my efforts that much on the guy who's only going to pay me 50 bucks a month. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, and, and paid advertising, you know, you have to think about like your, you know, we call it like your CAC, right. Your customer acquisition cost, right. And how, and how that relates to your lifetime customer value. And if you're not getting at least a three times like LTV to, to, to CAC ratio, you don't have a business. And that's, that's, so it's hard to acquire the little guy efficiently right? Not only do they not pay you very much, but they tend to go out of business a lot, unfortunately, yeah. right? Like the failure rate of the little guy is way higher than, than the hundred person small business. So everyone else has been focused on, you know, what it makes sense, right? Go after the, the larger small businesses where we saw an opportunity, like very early on, our customers came from other customers, like just mm. through, like, you know, I didn't understand it at all at the time, but it was really just word of mouth. And so as we, you know, as we start to kind of understand the dynamics of these worlds, what we realized is, yes, they're independent business owners, but they all know each other. Like every real estate agent in, in, in you know, town knows every other real estate agent. Every personal trainer knows every other personal trainer, every whatever, right? All these folks, they all know each other. So what we realized is, Yes, they're independent, but they're in these networks. And if we could harness this referral, right, capability, we could reach we could reach these business owners in a more efficient way, not have to pay the for the like the high priced upfront ad costs. And that's exactly what we did. So, what the way that we sell today, we spend nothing on advertising, like like zero, like not like nothing, right? <laughs> um, and what we do instead is we pay, excuse me, we pay referral fees. Right? Okay. Oh, wow. So if, so Interesting. What, who we try to attract, we try to attract what we think of as kind of industry influencers. So it could be a real estate agent with a, a large brokerage. It could just be a, a real estate agent who's got a following, right? People all know that Steve's the best agent in town, right? And he's just like an influencer, just like we think about like, you know, uh, whatever, Kendall Jenner is an influencer, right? But the, but not, I'm not talking about people like that. I'm talking about like micro influencers, people who have, you know, a, a thousand or 10,000 people, not necessarily social media, it could be on YouTube, it could be just a network in the real world, right? So we, we what we do say to them is, hey, you know, you know, all the, all the insurance brokers in town, that's not really doing anything for you, right? You're not making money from it. If you refer our product, then we will, basically pay, like, we'll give you like a referral fee. Great. So what, so what that does is instead of us paying like crazy for advertising, we only pay after we receive the customer. Right. And so it, it, it turns our customer acquisition costs for most companies. Most companies will spend, you know, 12 to 16 months of revenue to acquire a customer. Right. So whatever you're making over 12 to 16 months, that's what they actually pay. So they, they don't even break even on a customer until a year plus later. OK, our model, I pay nothing. Until after I acquire the customer. Mm -hmm. Right. And that in this world works really well. Right. And so and that's also what, what's allowed us to scale to 
25, 30,000 customers around the world with no marketing budget, right? So, so in terms of where we focus, it's kind of, it's a little bit like, um, you know, like what, if you kind of like imagine like, a, a, you know, water going down a hill, right? It's just going to kind of follow the path of least resistance. That is, when you're doing kind of like an influencer referral-based marketing, it's similar. What we do is we kind of say, we, we don't say, okay, let's, let's really, you know, invest and go into France. What we do instead is we say, wow, it looks like we're getting some traction in France. How can we support this? How can we kind of accelerate this, right? So we're, we're kind of, our approach is more following the trends and leaning into the trends that we're seeing. Right. Rather than saying, okay, this year is going to be Germany. Like, I don't know. Right. Where is it working? What markets are we finding the most traction? What countries, what languages? And then we just kind of lean into it with better communication, better marketing materials to give to them, better support, you know, um, hiring people who speak the language. That, that's been our approach is more following the trend than, than making like a clear decision. Is this something new that you found or have you done it with your previous companies? This type of marketing? Yeah. Never. No, uh, this is this is brand new. Like I'd never, I had, you know, my, you know, my, I had a medical software company. We were selling to Canadian doctors and I had a very traditional sales team, right? And we would, you know, advertise in the, the trade journals and we would, you know, and then we, I'd have sales reps that go out and knock on the doctor's door and like, and come in for meetings in our office and, you know, whatever, very traditional. Today, we have 3,000, uh, you know, people that kind of consider themselves, you know, uh, like independent sales reps for us. And, and so, it, and it's a fit because that's what they do anyway, right? They're already a, an independent salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. They're selling insurance, yes. they're selling real estate, they're selling beauty products, whatever it is. So this is just kind of like another thing for them to, to sell, to leverage their, their existing network. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, I think that honestly, I think it is like, I think it's going to be, I think this model is going to be a big deal. Like, I think that more and more we are, we're seeing, you know, mass marketing, right. Is not, you know, like that, that's, falling out of favor more and more we're kind of relying on trusted relationships right and brands are trying to kind of build trusted relationships but it's not as authentic as like these micro this micro influencer trend I think is I think is a big deal and I think that like you know uh, there's a bunch of like technological reasons social reasons why micro influencers are going to be a really important factor in marketing yeah, I, I, th I really like the idea of that uh, micro marketing and stick staying on the subject of marketing and advertising. Um, I talked to you a little bit about this before about the social media thing. I wanted to ask you, you personally don't use social media. Uh, but you said your companies do. Yeah. And I think by now you would definitely have a good following because you've been um, very involved in a lot of these companies and you could use that following to even advertise uh, your current product. So why don't yeah. you tell me why you don't use social media for advertising uh, so, so much as you could? Look, I think, I think social media is, uh, has the potential to be good. Um, but I think it's one of the 
worst things that's happened to humanity. Truly. Um, Big statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, it's threatening democracy. I think it's, it's, it's creating this, these, this tribal, you know, kind of mentality. I think it's, it's polarizing us like never before. Um, I think it's terrible for kids. Holy, like, I mean, you know, and, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not alone in this, like in the tech world, you know, when I talk to other people in, in, in tech, they're the ones that are like, I am never getting my kid uh, a Facebook account or an Instagram account or a Snapchat or whatever. Like they're the last people because they understand what's really happening. It's not good. Like the mental health, you know, the mental health issues that you can kind of like draw a straight line to social media, right? In, in, in tweens and, and teens is, it's, it's terrifying. Like I can't even imagine what it would be like. Like it was one thing, you have a bad day at school and some, you know, some jerk is, you know, a jerk, right? But you get to go home, you can kind of get away from all that, right? Now, like, oh my God, you, you guys, like, you have to go home and live it and you have to kind of go home and live with people you know like the bullying doesn't stop when you when you leave the school like that's crazy to me and and you know i said like the instagram version of my life at the very beginning right like that's a, like i know the difference right like i know that people are basically all full of shit right like i don't i don't believe anything that i see right i know it's doctored i know it's like the best possible like but but you know, 13, 13 year olds don't know that, right? They, they think that their life sucks. They think that that person's, you know, you know, prettier or skinnier or whatever, you know, richer, happier, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's a distorted reality and it's, it's terrible. It's it. So, so um, for me, I use it. I, I think it's a, it's a solid communication tool. I like it. I use it for business. I am on, I am on social media constantly. Like I do Facebook lives through our company page regularly. Um, I'm, you know, we're like, I invite people to kind of like, you know, tag me and, you know, take photos with me and post them. I'm, I'm, that's all good. Right. But for me, my personal life is my personal life. Right. Like I've, you know, could it help? Yeah. Maybe a bit. I don't care. You know, I just don't care. And I don't want that to be a thing where now I'm, you know, because I see it like other people who are more invested in it, in their personal life, it, it kind of, it starts to drive the bus, right? They start to do things for the posts rather than do things or enjoy things while they're just enjoying them. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty opinionated on it. Uh, where am I active on social media? I troll people on Twitter over, you know, over this COVID hysteria, like create like that. That's I'm just, I just, I'm, a, I'm basically just a, a Twitter troll um, about COVID nonsense. Uh, other than that, yeah, no, you're not, you're not going to see me posting. Yeah. Okay. So I, I completely see your point with the personal, um, the personal profile thing and showing yourself uh, like, oh, this is my better life on Instagram. But you do use it for your companies and you do see the yep. potential that you can, that it has for companies. For sure. And I think, I think that, to, that makes complete sense. That's kind of how uh, your company is running now is because of social media, right? That's how nice exactly. that works completely. Exactly. So no, like we, we 
think a lot about it and we try to leverage social media as much as we can, yeah. right? It's definitely, I mean, it is a huge factor in our success. So don't get me wrong there. I'm just, I, that as a business tool, fantastic, right? As a personal thing, it's just not, it's just not for me. Not for like, and, and look, no disrespect, you know, there's a part of me that, you know, I sometimes wish I was more motivated to, to do things because I probably could be, you know, like have that profile and following and they would probably translate into some benefit. But, and I, and so I do not, I think that, I think that there are people who do it really well. Right. Um, I know I just, it, for me, it's just not my thing. Not worth it's it. Not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, which one of your companies is your favorite and why? Or sorry, which which idea that you came up with as an entrepreneur Ooh. has been your favorite? Oh, how do you choose? Okay, you know what? I'm I'm gonna surprise you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that you're not expecting. So because I'm I'm always thinking of different business ideas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh the one that is on my mind right now, I haven't done it something you haven't done okay yeah. but and it's a it's gonna sound a little wacky at first okay but we're friends now so i'm just gonna tell you all right <laughs> i think that there should be a business where like because look the the whole world moved on to on to zoom right and people, and we put on events and we do webinars and we do like, I'm, I'm on Zoom six hours a day, okay? And so when we're putting on a conference, we wanna have a good turnout, right? People, people want to be where other people are, it's sort of like a club, right? Like no one's gonna go to the club that doesn't have the line, right? So there, there, there's something to be said for kind of like having like a large attendance or if we're doing a webinar, I'd love, you know, we would love to have, you know, 10 to 20 people that we can be presenting to. We don't want to be presenting to just like one guy, right? That's not, that's not good for him. It's not good for us, right? It's too intense, right? Um, so I think that there is a, there's like a really interesting business opportunity around um, staffing uh, video conference. Literally, like, imagine... Um, like I'm, I, I just my weird term for this is like I wish there were like Zoom actors, right? Okay. Like where I could kind of you know I'm throwing an event that this weekend and I want to make sure I've got at least a thousand attendees, right? So I'm I want to farm this out to like ZoomActors.com, right? And they're gonna like they have a network of freelancers, right? And I'll pay them. And they will make sure that I've got like an amazing attendance and I'll pay maybe extra for people to comment. Right. And I'll pay extra if people, you know, or, or maybe I've got a, um, I'm doing a software webinar and I want to have people that look like they're sitting in an office professional, et cetera. So I'll pay more for that. Right. I see. Okay. And Very it's like, it's like a, it's like an interesting kind of like social engineering sales tool. Right. That it, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit like, I mean, did you hear the movie, The Truman Show? Mm, no, where Jim not. Jim Carrey is basically finds out that he's in like a TV show and everyone else is acting. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, 
it's a it, there's an element of Truman Show. It's a little bit like the, the, there's a movie, The Game, years ago with Michael Douglas that is is same kind of a thing. Like the extreme versions of this, but Zoom actors. I think that was a good. I'm thinking it's like I, I I can think of a million use cases as as a business owner why I would want to have like the strength in numbers, right? And I would hire a firm that could that could provide me with like high quality Zoom attendees. Yeah. So when did you find this pocket, like in the mar- market? Because it's from what it sounds like is that you were in a Zoom meeting and something happened where you realized. Just, oh, I realized that I was con- like I would spend so much time obsessing over you know oh we've got a conference coming up this weekend. How many people are are attending? Seven hundred. Okay. Oh man, no, I want to get over a thousand. So and then I would and then I would you know I would be constantly interested in attendee numbers right because that kind of adds credibility it's it's not that yes. different from people you know caring about how many likes are they getting how many comments are they getting how many followers do you have it's the exact same thing it's the same concept right there's this it's social proof right mm-hmm. yeah just brought into a zoom environment yes right okay. so anyway that's my favorite idea right now that I, it'll, a... it'll probably it'll probably not be something i do um, but if any of your viewers run with it, make sure they, they, uh, they give me a call. Um, but anyway, that's, that's what I'm most enamored with right now. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> really cool. That was, a, that was a really cool idea, honestly. But look, look, the, the best thing to do, the thing is, you know, it's really hard to, it's really hard to just imagine a problem that someone else has. Right. So the, my my best ideas come from a problem that I have, right? Like, yeah. so my first one, taxi, like I want to pay with a credit card and a taxi cab, right? That was impossible in 2002. You couldn't do it, right? Unless it was like one of those, the old slider things, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, were you even born then? No. no, I wasn't, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So um, anyway, 2002, I couldn't, I couldn't pay with a credit card. I wanted to. Right, that was a problem. I didn't like stopping at the ATM, the bank machine. Right, that sucked. So I was like, let's solve this problem. So you know what it right? sounds like to me? It sounds like you find these problems and you literally just make businesses out of them, and you totally. make it seem easy. But like you said before, you always go through these problems. Yeah, you always go well, through these no, problems. It's, it, it's not. It's incredibly hard. But my successes, if I think about them, have been more about things that just annoy me. Like, I wish that the world was different in this way. I wish that, um, you know, like uh, my second business was, why do I have to go to the doctor's office to, you know, I just want to talk to them on the phone. Do I have to, why do you say, oh, because he wants to bill OHIP, right? He wants to bill the government for the business. Well, why can't I just pay him? Oh, the, the doctor doesn't, isn't able to just accept payment from me for, even though like he could, he's allowed to. So my second business was all about, creating a billing system so doctors could charge for things that were not covered by OHIP. Why? Because that annoyed me, right? Yeah. It annoyed me that I, mm-hmm. I couldn't just pay the doctor for some telephone advice or, you know, and then, and so, and same thing with, with what I'm doing now. It annoyed me um, that there was no tool where I could just kind of create an, a complete marketing system, mm-hmm. like without hiring developers, without, you know, a bunch of coding. I just, without 17 tools. Like I just wanted one thing. And you knew that so many other people had this problem, like you were saying. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I would say, start with something that you actually know, 
right? Like, what do you, what are you actually experiencing that you can kind of be like, this is a problem. Guessing someone else's problem is way too hard, mm -hmm. truly. Um, then the next question is, okay, what's your TAM, right? Your total addressable market. How big is this problem, right? Hopefully it's not this. Hopefully it's a really big ass problem, right? And then can you solve it in a just elegant, unbelievably perfect, simple, elegant way, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's those three, like finding a really great problem making sure it's big enough and then solving it perfectly. Right. And I think that last part's very hard and where a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck, right? Is how like you want to make the best product possible mm -hmm. for that problem you found. But I think that's probably where most entrepreneurs get stuck. And what would you say, how do you get past that next problem? Yeah. Um, get it out there, get your solution out in the market as soon as possible. Okay, so when I say make it perfect, I do not mean make it perfect before you launch it mm, over time, right? Make it perfect over time. Like I, I see this, a huge mistake people make is they, they, they spend so much time and energy in the lab trying to tinker to make something perfect and then they release it and, you know, they just, they wasted a ton of time and a ton of money on something that the market doesn't really like, mm -hmm. right? And no amount of tinkering would like, no amount of tinkering will tell you as much as just getting the first version out as quickly as possible. Like I get, I get the first version out as quickly as I possibly can because the second I do, I learn way more than had I held off for another month or two or six. Like, not to your friends, not to your family. They're either like friends and family are the worst for, for product stuff. Don't Zero do it. Okay. Great. They're either going to tell you it's amazing or they're going to tell you it's terrible. And it's probably neither of those things. Okay. Get it in front of total strangers, put it in a total stranger's hand as quickly as you can. And you will learn way more than six more months of tinkering. They will go right to the heart of the problem. And you'll be like, holy shit. I can't believe I missed that. That is so obvious. And I'm the biggest idiot on earth but the only way to do that is to get it out there right like someone's someone's really smart said if you're not mortified by the product that you're releasing you waited too long like you should be a little bit embarrassed by the shittiness of your first version that's okay mm -hmm. right it's better to put out a crappy first version and learn right? Then it is to wait a million years. Like, and, and, you know, this kind of goes to like the core of startups. Okay. If you are, if you're doing a startup, you have one and only one advantage over big companies, right? Big companies have every advantage ever, right? Like they've got way more money. They've got a brand. They've got amazing people. They've got international presence. They've got distribution. They've, they've got legal, they got everything. everything, connections. They got synergies. They got like every, every single advantage you could name they have. You have one speed. You can move faster than they can. That is it. They got you. They got you on everything else. You have speed. If you are not 
using that advantage, you're, you're, you're done. Like if you are not making the most of every hour, right? You're done. And the best way to, the best way to take advantage of speed is, is iterating, right? Trying something as fast as possible, putting it out there, learning, iterate, put it out, learn. Or like, as, like cycle that as often as you can and you can compress time from like years down to months. And you can end up after a few months with something really great. I mean, assuming you've got the, 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 the right kind of problem, big TAM, but mm -hmm. in a few months, you can have a very, very good product if you're willing to fail fast and often. That I can't like, that's my, it, it, that, that is my single best piece of advice. That is like, the exact advice that I was looking for from this podcast, to be honest. Th that was perfect. You know, you told us the steps, you told us the biggest problem and how to overcome it. And I think, I think that can help a lot of people because I think that is with everything for, I'll use music as an example for an artist. Like you said, you should put it out first and then you get the feedback and then you know where to go from there. Like you said, speed, you can get that going. But if you never put out your first song, for example, as a musician, then you yeah. never know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, thank you. That was amazing. Yeah. Look, it's, it's the only, the only path to success, I believe is a path that goes directly through failure, right? Yeah. Like if you're not willing to fail, you will never succeed. If you're not willing to admit that something isn't working, right? Like admitting to yourself you will never succeed, right? So, you know, that, anyway, that's, that's the best thing that, that I, can, I can share with, with your audience is become comfortable. If you, want, if, the, if you actually want to be a, an entrepreneur, especially in, in a world as crazy as technology, you just have to kind of accept the fact that you know nothing, right? Embrace it, right? And, and, be open to constantly failing and refining and never fall in love with any idea, right? And, and have that culture in your company where it is okay. In fact, it's encouraged to fail as long as we learn from it and learn from it quickly, right? That, yeah. that's, that's absolutely the key. It's a pleasure. And if, and if I can be of any help to, uh, to, to anyone, if, you know, if anyone watching this has, a business idea want, wants to chat about it. Like I, I love to do it. I'm, I'm always keen to help, um, especially, you know, young entrepreneurs, um, you know, in any way that I can. So, you know, you can feel free to share my, my contact info and I'd love to, uh, you know, like I said, I'd love to be, be as helpful as I can to, to anyone watching. That's awesome. I'm going to put his contact info in the description because this Justin, you just helped me very much. I know you help people in my audience. Is there anything else you want to say? I mean, before we go? No, no. Look, I, I, uh, I, I appreciate you inviting me. I think, um, you know, we, we are very lucky in, in the company that, you know, that, that I have now that we did find a problem. We did find that it was a huge problem. And now, four years later, right? We think that we finally got that, you know, perfectly elegant solution to solve it. So it's, it is definitely easier said than done, um, but uh, it's worth it. And, and, you know, entrepreneurship, like I'll close with this. 
it's not for everybody. It's not, okay? It is like the risk reward ratio is totally out of whack. Um, and every day is a chat. Like it is like every day is a roller coaster, right? Like you will, like I experience like wonderful excitement and highs and equally devastating lows every single day. Um, for people that, that love that, that love the adrenaline, that love the creativity, that, you know, are, are okay to live in failure constantly. Um, there's nothing better. I wouldn't, I couldn't ask for a better, uh, you know, I guess career. Um, and, and, you know, one thing I, I, I will say is never once have I looked at my watch and said, oh, it's only, you know, it's only four o'clock, right? Every, like every single day I leave, you know, wishing that I had more time because it was such, it's just such an adventure. I'm really glad I had that conversation at two in the morning with my friend playing pool because it, it set me on that, you know, this, uh, this, this amazing journey and I, and I, and I love every day of it. So thanks again. No problem. I'm so glad that I got to talk to a real successful entrepreneur. Thank you so much, Justin. And this is tomorrow's entrepreneurs.